Hello, and welcome to The Talkies, a weekly film podcast with me, Michael Henry. And me, Lucy Smith. This week we'll be discussing comedy. We, we talked about this before, I wasn't really sure how we should approach this one, because at first we talked about the idea of picking a film that represented our sense of humour, and then realise that mm. that's extremely hard. <laughs> Because yeah. you, d- I don't, I don't think people have one sense of humour. No, and it, it changes throughout your life, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, I, I, I was saving this question for much later. But like, if you made your own comedy film, would it be purely your own comedy, or what I'm getting at is each film has a mix of yeah um, comedies in it anyway. Well, yeah, it's an interesting question. Like I, so when I first started out, I started doing comedy sketches and especially at uni we actually like won awards for comedy and I actually spent the most part of my 20s trying to get away from comedy because I didn't find it particularly interesting or challenging anymore but I get this weird pang of nostalgia when I watch stuff like your pick um where I do actually want to get back to it but I think I, I think at the point I'm at at the moment I like to make stuff and then just ingrain the comedy into it rather than making something that's just a comedy which we'll get into why I don't think that works later on but if you're asking what kind of comedy I would make I think something something really absurd and like over the top in in a lot of ways like I'd have a lot of slapstick a lot of heightened comedy it wouldn't be reality based so leaning more more towards my film than your film it'd be yeah it'd be more like your pick than mine I would say okay yeah I think we should start with yours based on that yeah yeah. Okay, mine is Blazing Saddles, which is a Mel Brooks film. And this was around since I can remember, really. My dad loves it. Yeah, it just, I've watched it again and again, and each joke doesn't fail to make me laugh. It's just so stupid. Well, I was quite, imp- I was quite impressed because obviously, I, I don't know if, how soon since the last rewatch you had, but I hadn't watched this for maybe 15 years. And I was going in thinking, ah, oh, this probably isn't good. <laughs> it's probably one of those things that you know that you like as a kid and then you rewatch and go, ooh, it's not very funny, it hasn't aged well. But it's really funny. <laughs> like it's. I think it's aged just, incredibly well. Yeah, it feels modern still. Yeah, and like a lot of it, it's like built on like sarcasm, taking the piss out of authority figures. A lot of comedy right now is just like that. Um, and even stuff like like the spoofs and the like ripping off of the shows like at one point it turns into like a little Bugs Bunny little I don't know gag and I was thinking things like because my main source of comedy for watching would be like TV shows and even things like Spaced I know that's like 20 years old now but like Blazing Saddles was 74 and it was already doing the like little like you know steal bits from other shows yeah yeah like referencing and being like self-aware well, that's why it feels. Like I think that's modern. why it feels modern. Yeah, the self awareness, which is definitely like a Mel Brooks thing. Like, I don't know if you've seen Young Frankenstein or the producers, but that's like a common thing throughout his, all those films. They're really like, they're not based in reality in any way, shape, or form. Like, this is really over the top. There's even bits in this, obviously, where like the, one of the main characters, he's got like a Gucci bag, but it's set in the yeah. old west. I, re- I I feel like you should probably introduce the film. I realized we started talking about it without. Yes. Any context. Yeah, so I guess it's like a Wild West spoof. And the whole plot is some guy wants to build a railroad through a town, I think. So, like, basically get rid of the town. And so he appoints a black sheriff to piss everyone off. I think it's set in, like, I have no idea, maybe 1800s. It'd be the 1800s, yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, 
Yeah, it's incredibly funny. Um, the Black Sheriff is arguably the hero of the whole piece. What, what I like is he's the smartest one. Like it, this is a film which I think, if people don't approach it with context, could be offended. But the whole point is that he's the smartest person in the room all the time. <laughs> like he, well, he is I think the it introduced that from the start as well. Like from the very start of the scene, you've got. Um, the cowboys asking the black slaves to sing them a song like they would and yeah. that basically turns on them and all the white guys end up like singing these little ditties and making fools out of themselves. Like that sums up what's going to be the whole film. Yeah, it points out how yeah. stupid racism is basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And yeah, I love all the sort of like meta bits, like you got an old woman being beaten up and she says to the camera, have you ever seen such cruelty? And um, <laughs> It's such a yeah. weird mixture of like, I can't define what kind of comedy it is because there's slapstick in there, there's one-liners, there's incredibly smart jokes that I think you said that a lot of them go over your head when you're younger, but now it's things like um, there's one line where someone, one character goes, oh, maybe we should go from town to town and uh, ask them to, to give up their firstborn, and one goes, that's too Jewish, and then they move on as if they haven't told a joke. Yeah. And that's funnier because they just don't really reference. Yeah, absolutely. This. They've just caught this really quick... And the fact that Mel Brooks is Jewish as well, there's a lot of Jewish humour in there. Like, he turns up as he turns up as one of the uh, the Native American chiefs mm. in like a flashback, and then they like you expect some sort of regional dialect, and then it's just three people speaking German, German accented Jewish, and there's no explanation just for it. Just ridiculous. Yeah. And they just move on. Yeah, like I think that's the kind of comedy I would, I would try and make if I was going to make one. Is that every every you go for. I feel like every time he makes a film, it's like that throw everything at it, try and make every single shot, character, image, mm-hmm. everything funny. I, I don't think it always works. I feel like there's a couple of bits like the musical numbers where I zone out a little bit and it feels a bit too try hard, but 90% of it still lands. Like it's still, which is impressive. I, I can't think of many films that age well, <laughs> especially when it comes to comedy. Yeah, it's... I think I agree like a lot of it's just mashed in together you got a lot of random shit in there but no I'd watch it again today <laughs> easy well I feel like it's a good kind of it's a good pick-me-up like I, I was feeling rough the other day and I, I put it on and like I say a cynical part of me was like this probably won't be good because I liked it as a kid and it's one of those films that kind of you can't resist its charms. Like, there's a few times, like, as you're working your way in and you're like, okay, that was funny, but you're not really hooked straight away that when you least expect it, something hilarious will happen. Like, there's a good... <laughs> I think, yeah, it's one of the few films that I think I laughed maybe every two minutes, which is a pretty nice. good hit rate. I think, I think going back to something that you said before is about TV, I feel like TV's kind of spoiled us a little bit in terms of comedy because most TV shows that are comedies are like 20 minutes to 30 minutes and the hit rate of a joke is pretty much every minute or every 30 seconds so Mm. to go back to a film or to expect a film to be that funny throughout it's kind of impossible in some ways yeah and it can't be like the characters aren't very nuanced at all whereas I think they are in your film to an extent but like I don't know I, I yeah I mean Mine's a little bit more based in reality, but I, I think there's new there's depth to your to your characters to the characters in your film. I'd say they like they do, they're all there with purpose, which I don't think is true of a lot of mm. modern comedy films. I guess yeah, but yeah, I don't know. All of it is farce, and the the characters are there to make jokes. But 
I, what I was going to say is I don't, this film could be nothing except a comedy. Like, oh, definitely. it needs to get the gags in every two minutes. Like, it yeah, yeah. can't be anything else. Whereas a lot of comedy films can have a bit of room for something else to come in. But no, this is just pure laughs, really. Well, when you're picking a comedy to watch, or just in general, like, enjoying a, a comedy, do you, I don't think there's a right answer to this, do you want it to be completely hilarious and like everything has to be funny and you want to keep laughing and keep laughing or do you want something a bit more reality based in there or mm. I don't know does, does there need to be depth to comedy is it probably an easier question is it <laughs> um, <laughs> well I think I think if I am feeling the laughs then yeah I want a comedy that's more like blazing saddles because I'm looking for laughs so I, that's the feeling I want so I'll put on that film whereas I enjoy it when comedy crops up in other ways, in different films. It's a nice surprise, but I wouldn't put on with Nail and I if I just wanted a laugh. Sorry, spoiler, I just revealed your pick. No, but it is in the blurb. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like we'll get into mine in a bit, but I would put on with Nail and I because I feel like it's the film that the more you watch it, the funnier you find it. We'll get into that in a bit. Um, I wanted to ask, where do, where do you think your sense of humour comes from? Like, I, I, or do you... okay? Do you feel like your sense of humour's changed since you first watched this film? In some ways, yeah. Like, I can appreciate more complicated jokes and layered jokes. However, my sense of humour has not really changed since I was little. It's still slapstick. It's still, like, silliness. Surrealness maybe actually built up when I was a teenager, but actually I think surreal started, like, even with stuff like Austin Powers and Carry On films that I was raised on there is like a hint of surrealness to some of their jokes in like the silliness of it yeah well like blazing saddles like it's not reality it's heightened like you know it's you know that it's all about the joke and that's kind of the enjoyment of it is that you're you're in on the joke yeah and jokes about everyday mundane things can just tickle me sometimes so yeah i don't think my humor's matured much (laughs) what about you I think, yeah, it's a weird one. I th- I feel like it, it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit that, you know, I'd, I'd like to think I'm an intellectual, but <laughs> I appreciate slapstick more and more the older I get. You know, there's bits in Blazing, Blazing Saddles, which, okay, there's, there's one scene in particular, which is kind of well-known or iconic. It's literally just people farting around a campfire. Yeah. and Cowboys with the beans. It's still funny. <laughs> like, and I feel like, you know, uh, fart jokes get a, get a bad rap but (laughs) when they're done well i feel like they've not been done well that's the problem it's kind of in a lot of animated films or like really piss poor comedies over the past 20 years they'll throw in a fart joke because they're like oh we need a joke in here for me americans have ruined fart jokes i find farts are hilarious and i think the british people do that best they're objectively funny like i don't i yeah there's a there's a bit in the sitcom louis I don't feel like the word sitcom's fair for that, but where one really bad comedian is explaining to one overthinker of a comedian who wants to do, like, deep, meaningful comedy, he explains to him, he's like, when have you... They're always funny. Like, when have you not laughed at a fart? And he's like... He starts crying, and he's like, yeah, no, they're always funny. <laughs> and that's... It's just true. Like, there's such a stupid sound. And when you were saying, like, you'd hope you were intellectual, I feel like the words intellectual comedy... They just don't... It's not true. Like, comedy, it comes from, like, an instinct to laugh. And Okay, this might be yeah. a good thing to explore. Like, what do you think the ingredients of a 
not a good comedy as like a film or a TV show as a whole, but of laughter or a moment, like what do you think makes something funny? That might be a big question, but... Unexpectedness. Definitely. Um, I, I, do you want to keep throwing words and we'll do that together? Well, as long as the words are relevant, yeah. <laughs> Unexpected, yeah, I, I think mm. that's... I, I feel like the TV show Fleabag worked really well because the comedy came when you expected something meaningful or, like, serious, and then the serious stuff came when you expected something funny. Right. And I feel like it's that tightrope walk of... I, I don't know, like, I one pick I was gonna I was considering for this week was Putney Swope, which hardly anyone's that. ever seen. Yeah, no one's, no one's ever heard of it. It's free on YouTube. Um, okay. Someone's uploaded it. It's, I think it's one of the best comedies ever made, but it's like Blazing Saddles where it's... It just keeps stacking up, like, the absurdity and the nonsensical things that happen. There's one bit where someone... Two people having a really heated political argument. In the background, someone naked just walking towards them, like, really slowly. And then he, they, he joins in the conversation and then gets carried away. And there's no reason for any of it. But it's the unexpected that makes that funny. I think, yeah, you have to take two elements that are normal and that can be opposing... I don't feel. I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to make it. Now. But do you know what? Having there, but... said that, I just thought to myself: sometimes when you're expecting a joke and you know it's coming, and they're just like prolonging it each time. When the joke comes, I laugh so like so much harder than if it had come like at the start. Like, but that was I expected, guess, and you could see yeah. the setup. That can. I work guess too. release, like it's a sense of release that. Yeah. I, f- I feel like a lot of earlier comedies, in particular, were all about the expectation of this thing's about to happen to the protagonist. Mm. And then they, tension then release definitely yeah like a lot of silent comedies obviously slapstick based it was like they get to this thing and you, you expect the worst and then it doesn't happen and then they, they get to the next thing and then you expect it to be worse and then it doesn't happen and it's that piling up of even just watching I remember oh what what was the show oh it's yeah it's Father Ted and like Mrs Doyle on a windowsill wobbling and you know she's gonna fall but you just don't know quite when and yeah, stuff like that, it it works as well. So I think I timing know. timing as well is probably. I mean, that sounds yes. that's such a cop out answer, but I feel like how someone says something, there's a level of genius to some people who, especially comic actors, that it's unmatched mm. with other people. Like you, you could take the best actor in the world, but they wouldn't be able to do it the same way. Like Matt Berry, who's in. Uh, IT crowd, Garth Marenghi's Dark Mighty Place, um, Toast of London. Mighty Boosh, yeah, like his voice. <laughs> There's a bit in the Toast of London where he uses, he says the word yes for about a minute and a half in different ways. And it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But he use, he just uses one word. I couldn't get into Toast of London. I feel like, London. yeah. T- but yeah, anyway, timing, yes. I'm surprised because it's quite farcical. And that, yeah, but anyway... Um, yeah, but I don't know. There's, there's a bit in With Nail and I where someone goes, get in the back of the van! He says it so fast. The policeman. It comes out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, the policeman just He's screams. So and that person never speaks yeah. again. And I feel like, yeah, it's a mixture of the unexpected delivery of a line, the pause and the timing of, yeah, it's just, it's a tightrope walk. And also, I, I guess, what comedians do all the time, which is notice what we don't notice. Like, the weirdly a bit in with Neil and I when he's chattering on chattering on and then he realizes the guy has soup and he's like why don't I have soup and just like that got me yeah. as well yeah yeah I think my, my yeah my kind of humor I know we're not technically doing what our types of humor are, but my type of humor is that where you take something that's so mundane and then elevate it to like yeah something grander than it is 
that's always funny to me. I think adults behaving like children, not in like a pathetic way, but in a very... That's in both of our films. Pathetic way. Actually, I always it? find that funny. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're, they're, they are their own problem. Like, yeah. things would be fine if they didn't, if they just did the thing they were supposed to do. <laughs> like, with Withnail, so, we'll, we'll, I'll introduce Withnail and I. So yeah, go for it. For anyone who's not seen, it's it's set in, so it was made in the late late 80s, but it's set um, towards the end of 1969, which is kind of the end of the the heyday of the hippies, for instance. And it's about two out-of-work actors who live in a really squalid flat in London, and their lives are just a mess. And they decide, right, we need to go to the countryside just to get away from this all. And it just spirals and more and more out of control. And for me, it's a really good portrait of just Britain in general. Like, it covers every part of it. Um, all the stupidity, all the ignorance, all the pomposity. But yeah, they're just complete wrecks, basically. <laughs> like, they just, they're a really toxic dynamic who just aren't helping each other. They're constantly drunk. They're always trying to get high. They're always just escaping yeah, the problems. It struck me struck me as a very british comedy like you can see american versus british comedy with our picks i think like american you gotta have the drama and the gags and like to an extent british does that too but it's with nail and eyes a very tragic comedy yeah i and i want i consciously wanted to pick something that wasn't just like i love films like big lebowski or princess bride even annie hall where it's like the humor is very much at the front but if I if I were to make one, I don't know. I don't know actually. I think I would make the more farcical type, but the, for me anyway, I do tend to want something a bit more than just try and make me laugh all the time. Similar to when we talked about entertainment, mm. that I do want something more going on, um, which I think Blazing Saddles does. To be fair, like it does actually. It talks about race. It talks about a lot of issues that were contemporary at that time. Yeah, through its comedy. And it, yeah. and it is actually a well-made film. Like, it's not just a gag machine, which I feel like most modern films, they set up a two-shot because they know that the two actors are going to improvise and then they film, like, the reverse of that. But there's no actually there's no actual, like, film technique in there. There's no story. It's just ten things that are going to happen in the story. Let's get to the next one and let the actors be mm-hmm. funny, which I don't think I don't think that's good filmmaking. Anyway, and that's not what Blazing Saddles did. Blazing, no, Blazing Saddles, not at all. Like that was really highly scripted. It's held in one. It's a lot of single shots. They just let the action make it funny. Mm. Yeah, and a lot of the language used in it as well. Like Richard Pryor, one of the best comedians of all time, was hired to make it more raw. Essentially, like if if that was a film written by a white guy, it would be or completely written by a white guy or just you know Mel Brooks, a Jewish guy. It wouldn't have the same rawness to the language and it wouldn't take as many risks. There's bits in that where I'm like, oh, I can't believe you said that. And then had to remind myself, actually, Richard Pryor wrote it. And, you know, yeah, it's a black guy. <laughs> like he was the ultimate black comedian. So um, I didn't yeah, know that. I, I feel cool. like I've got a tangent. There. Yeah, I feel like that's what, why it works. That's why it still feels fresh, because he was completely groundbreaking in terms of comedy, like use of like language pushing it to the extremes and trying to make people uncomfortable this kind of thing Mm. well you okay so you liked it uh (laughs) that's that's good um you mentioned before we started this that there's a certain tone to it do you want to elaborate on that or do you you not (laughs) what the tone of like um someone sapping the life out yeah yeah i mean (laughs) like the in the duo yeah i mean i think the comedy is very much as you're saying like in the misery of it and these strange characters getting up to mishaps is like 
feels very British. Um, but yeah, the tone, it really like plays with the, like these these guys need to get out of the situation they're in and we laugh because it, we're like almost despairing with them. Like, yeah. Yeah, what's well, laughing at the pain of others, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. Can I ask, like, at what point did you realise you were finding it funny? Because I, I've shown this film to, like, people singular, but also groups of people. Like, I've shown it to students in the past. And I realised that for the first 10 or 20 minutes, it's so bleak in their flat that they don't really notice how funny it is. This is what I was trying to say, is that I think it's, like, for me, it's line for line some of the funniest comedies, uh, comedy sequences I've ever seen. But I don't think it's clear because it's so dark and desaturated and and their house is so disgusting. Yeah. I don't think it's until they get to Uncle Monty and the slightly more colourful characters that people start to relax and go, oh, OK, it's OK to laugh at this. OK, I understand why. But no, I laughed a bit sooner. Like the soup thing happened in the first scene. And when they're like, there's something, there's a rodent in the kitchen and they, they're freaking out. They can't deal with it. Yeah, yeah that's when it started getting funny because I imagined myself there like watching them. Have you, this? you might not want to reveal this, but have you ever lived in a house quite as bad as that? Almost, pretty much. Never a rodents, but it <laughs> was... Was it, when you, was, was it when you were a student by it's any in chance? in Belfast, yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like it's, like, this film's really popular amongst like students. It's like known for having its own drinking game. Well, and it's, it's like... that weird like artist, almost like idealising the really, really gross poor life because you are an artist and yeah um, this is what it is to be human kind of deal whereas it'd be lovely to actually have some heating on oh <laughs> yeah. yeah and around the time he lubed himself up to go next to the radiator that yeah that's hilarious i've actually like, done that like that's <laughs> if i was going to be e- if actually if i was going to be either of these characters i hate to say it but i would actually be with neil like i am the person who not always surprise me i am i'm the person who moves in with someone and then their life kind of falls apart <laughs> um not not everyone i've moved in with like especially now i'm a bit older but yeah there's probably two or three casualties along the way of people who didn't want to get involved in such chaos anyway moving on <laughs> um what i feel like one thing that that with Neil and i captures really well is that sense of knowing people who are bad for you but not really knowing how to escape it um or like yeah, having like a toxic friendship because mm. he very much is the source of a lot of problems for the protagonist. Yeah, but the protagonist is his own problem if he's not finding a way to get out of it. Like there's multiple times when he's enjoying getting drunk with him and making plans with him. Like that's True, his yeah. choice in a way. But I think he wants to get out, and I, I think that's why for me it works on a on a like a, a larger on a, on a bigger scale because. You know, the end of the 60s, there was the reality of the 70s and, like, the dream of the 60s, the romantic optimism had just died. Like, they realised that things hadn't really changed and people were coming down from being on drugs for, like, a decade. That I feel like those characters are perfect for representing that and, mm. you know, only one of them gets out, essentially. Like, the, en- the ending's quite tragic. Yeah, tragic comedy. Yeah, I, I don't know, I prefer... I don't think that... I can't care about characters in a comedy if... I don't get a sense of like pathos or like a reason to care about them. That's why I I, mm. I find it easier to watch a film like this where like you want them to succeed because it's just so miserable for them. Um, even if you're laughing at them, whereas something like Bridesmaids, I could find it funny in places, but I don't I don't think about those characters outside of once I finish the film. It's like okay, that happened. 
Yeah, I want something more. Yeah, I'm the same with. I like watching Sisters, which has a similar. Is that the vibe Tina Fey one? Like that always gives me a little. I don't think I've seen yeah, that. Yeah, always gives me like a little laugh, but yeah, they sort of like stick on a character's story, like ah, oh, they're sacked from their job, or ah, oh, they want yeah, to do like this or that. I think in Sisters they want to like save their family home and then they mess that up, but yeah, it's not. It's not the same as existential crisis <laughs> no. um, which are fun like are objectively funny when you're not going through one like it's so absurd like when you look back on something you might have fret over and realize like that was so stupid <laughs> like i stopped doing things for two weeks for no reason for instance <laughs> yeah it's funny like yeah most things are absurd and funny yeah i did find did i find it funny i was waiting for there to not be a really grumpy like 2D northerner in <laughs> with Nail and I because they're in Penrith, weren't they? It's like beautiful lake district, yeah. and everyone's like, mm. I don't know. I, I thought the the farmer with the bum leg was quite funny, and the, <laughs> the guy who's um, the guy who runs the the pub, who uh, he's so drunk, like when he hits the hits the cash register, it like hits him in the stomach. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> The question I've got is, do you think there's a kind of comedy that anyone and everyone will find funny or is it always down to taste? Yeah, I don't think it's possible for anyone. Like I would, Blazing Saddles is a good example that I would hope that someone could watch that and and find at least one thing funny. But then I think, yeah, like start to finish, there probably isn't any film that people find objectively funny. Like I've sat in films or, or been in a room where someone's watching something and they're laughing and I'm just like, why do you find that funny? Like, I don't understand how people find the TV show Miranda funny. It's the worst thing I've ever seen. Mrs. Brown's Boys as well. It's like... I don't like Mrs. Be... Brown's Boys, but I don't mind Miranda. Okay. <laughs> I'll stop there. <laughs> but but you can see, yeah, like, compared to... Like, the gags in that aren't really well thought out. It's not like Blazing Saddles where... It's just playing on these things. one joke that the character has and retelling it in a lot of different ways, yeah, yeah. to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's... Well, I think it's good that it can be a subjective. I think some of the problems that we face, like contemporary problems with comedy, anyway, I know a lot of comedians these days, are they skirt around the issue that they, just, they don't feel safe telling jokes anymore. And, like, offence is a big thing now, obviously, that mm. I feel like the context is lost a little bit sometimes, that, like, a comedian can tell a joke that, out of context as the joke, can seem offensive, but... The, but if they're playing it like they're playing the fool, not knowing it's offensive, that's funny. But I feel like, yeah, that's lost a little bit. I definitely think things should take more risks and, ugh, yeah, I don't know. Well, I feel like that's the problem. Yeah, like it should it should be subjective. I think in some ways... I think it works when you offend everyone. I yeah, think Blazing Saddles say. offends everyone at some point and it's like, yeah, we're all equal not, in that. I think the offence in that is that people don't understand the context maybe instead of like it's not a hateful film is the best way to word it like it's a very to to assume that Blazing Saddles is racist is to completely miss the point when the lead character is black and he's the smartest person in the room and he's a hero <laughs> like that's that's not yeah that's, it's about racists yeah. it's not a racist yeah, film yeah. yeah but I feel like nuance and and yeah things should be subjective yeah. like you should be able to like what you like without other people going you're not allowed to like that essentially yeah just don't make something from a position of hate. That's probably the easiest way to to stop. Yeah, that's not going to make a good comedy either. It won't, won't be funny. Yeah. I don't know. If, like, there's there's love for the characters of With Nail and I, 
and like without that like warmth towards the characters, they'd never be able to make as good jokes about them as they do. Well, it's se- I, I haven't mentioned, yeah. but it's semi-autobiographical. Like the the director oh, really? lived that life. His experience is he knew someone who was like with Neil. So the protagonist is essentially the director, and um, yeah, it's it's a very personal film, and I think that's where the love comes from too. Um, like these people are quite over the top and they're all performative, but I've met people like that and they are real. It fits as well. Yeah. They're actors. <laughs> a little yeah. bit trivia, I don't know if you noticed, but um, it was financed by George Harrison from The Beatles. What? Yeah. That's, there was a lot. Why? It, um, well, he set up a small company called, I think it was Handmade Films, and between the late 60s and the 80s, he basically spent more money than he returned, and it was like a heyday for... It's basically the last heyday of good films in Britain, I'd say. Um, for me, with Nell, I was like the end of... It represents the end of like the 60s, obviously, but the film itself was kind of the end of great independent films in Britain. There's been a couple that have stood out since, but they're very, very rare. <laughs> it's very much elsewhere in the world. I can't, I can't think of any films... Made. And you're saying there were loads of British ones before. Well, I mean, like, Britain was kind of the place to make films in some ways. Like, Ealing Studios competed against Hollywood Studios. Does that count as independent um, film? Oh, independent. Sorry, independent. Um, yeah. In the 90s, there was kind of a heyday too, but it was trying to rip off the market of the US. It wasn't... There was no originality. This is what I mean. is that With Now Life, it was like the last truly original, great independent film independent film from the UK again there's been some rare ones in between but they're all financed and marketed and, and kind of molded in a very particular way anyway okay. that's that's a whole of that's a whole of a <laughs> episode um before we finish I wanted to ask if you were to make a comedy what kind of comedy would you make hmm. um I don't know if I'd be able to get away from my childhood films oh I don't so that kind of carry-on, farcical, <laughs> slapstick yeah, thing. Yeah, Austin Powers vibes. Yeah. Just ridiculous idiot at the forefront who's kind of lovable too. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd watch it. <laughs> I don't know if I'd make it any good. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I could make a comedy film. You were saying you found it very easy in uni. I think I'd find that the hardest thing to write and make it good. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah, it's hard to make it mm. good as just a film, I think. But I'm, yeah, I'm pretty confident I could write a one-liner or write a scene that's funny. But uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll do a comedy next. Yeah. TBC. Thank you for listening to the Talkies. This week's episode was comedy. Let us know what you think. We'd love to hear from you. And remember to tune in for next week's episode.